Well, good morning. That was a very professional good morning that you gave me. And I am not a very professional speaker, so I would like a more unprofessional greeting. Good morning. Ah, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, uh, I am, my name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here at Mission Church. And if you haven't heard, um, my boss, my friend, um, my pastor, uh, our senior pastor, Pastor David Runyon, is on family leave right now. And uh, he, and this again is, sorry to be repetitious, but if you didn't know this morning, um, he, the board uh, voted unanimously to give him time and space to be just a husband while his wife Norma is dying of cancer. And so our leadership has been supremely jealous, you sh- I'm not jealous, supremely generous. That's a very different word, is it not? <laughs> this is the second time I'm speaking this morning, so please give me grace. Uh, words are difficult words. Um, supremely generous in their care for our staff, for, for our pastor, for his family. Um, we are celebrating a hundred years of ministry for our church. And, and part of the reason why I think we've lasted this long is because we have leaders like we do. We have a generous church and a generous leadership and I am grateful to just be a part of it. Standing on this platform again, this is not to lift me up if you haven't been to church that much. We have this this thing. I don't even remember the word for it. What's the word for it, Dr. Smith? This pulpit. <laughs> we have this pulpit. We have these elements here. We have the word presented here because we are uplifting the word of God, not the speaker who speaks it. And so I'm standing on this on this stage, just so that you can see me. What I hope that you get this morning is not a person who's standing on a stage to be seen, but is the word of God who we are all, me included, trying to elevate. The word of God that is sharper than any two-edged sword. The word of God that heals. The word of God that, that encourages. The word of God that transforms. The word of God that tells us who Jesus is, because there's nobody better than Jesus. And so... That's why there's an elevated form here, but but make no mistake, it's not for me. It's not for me. It's for the word. And so I come humbly as best I can, and I'm learning and I'm growing, and I'm going to be with you over the next, in this 1030 service with you over the next some weeks until Pastor Runyon comes back. And so, um, hi. Hi. Uh, if you, if you're like, man, when's this guy going to be done? Pastor running will be coming back. So don't you worry. Um, but I'm here for, you know, however long it is that he is, um, on family leave. And so here we are together. I'd love to get to know you a little bit during this time. Um, again, I've been here for some three years and my wife and I have walked. She, um, got, you know, we found out she had cancer last year and she's walked her own recovery journey. In the midst of that, and the Runyons have been my pastor. Has been, has been beyond helpful in that journey that we've been in. And so, with great respect to him, I stand here before you. Uh, in the, I typically lead in the, uh, 
service that's over there in the fellowship hall. And uh, we turn all the lights off so you wouldn't know that it was a fellowship hall. But we're in there. It's a great place to be. And I typically speak in there. And um, so we've been in a series about the kingdom of God over there. And so I'm picking it up with you here this morning. Uh, the kingdom of God. So it's like, OK, it's the kingdom. What is that? What do you mean by kingdom? It's really simple. What I basically mean by kingdom is that what happens when God is put in charge over a group of people or over me or over you, the culture that's formed. Uh, what 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 happens when God shows up? What happens? What's different than maybe the kingdoms of the world and the cultures of the world versus the kingdom of Jesus? And make no mistake, he came and he lived and he suffered and he died and he rose again to bring a new kingdom, to bring a new culture, to bring a new way of life to me and to you. And that's really good news. I don't know why I leaned into the mic because I'm not using this one. (laughs) It's really good news. It's just here. It's in my periphery. I don't know what's happening right now. It's really good news because if you haven't noticed, the kingdoms of the world are pretty busted. They're pretty broken and we keep trying to make the kingdoms of the world be what maybe sometimes we don't want to be. But make no mistake, the church is called to bring God's kingdom to this earth, not the kingdoms of the world. We are called to do that. We are called to lean into it. And I know I'm really loud, so there's a little tweak in the mic. We are called. Mike's not used to me. We are called. We're, we're encouraged. We're, we're given the Holy Spirit. We're, we're empowered. We're, our culture gets to be different than the one that we were raised in because of Jesus. But I don't know if you found this yet. But the culture that we were raised in, and every culture has its goods and bads, by the way. It's not just American culture. Every, every culture in the world has its pieces that have God's kingdom laced into it. But every culture in the world also has its brokenness. Culture here in the States, cultures elsewhere in other countries. And I just went to Romania, and that culture, there are things that are beautiful about that culture that I believe express the heart of God. But there are also things about that culture, just like ours, that don't. Are you with me? And so we, it's our task as we read scripture and as we like learn from Jesus is to let him mess with us. Let him mess with our default settings that, that we were raised in a culture with the setting. Let him mess with the settings that are broken. And so um, it's my prayer that, you know, Jesus is messing with my settings, messing with my gauges, messing with my emotions, messing with what I feel like is right. But it really doesn't line up with who Jesus is. Does that make sense? So we're doing that again today a little bit. We're going to try to. I'm going to try to. So here we, everybody say try. Yeah, that's so good. You guys are great. We, we did that. Okay, now we're done. Let's go home. No, we're going to try. So today we're talking about this, this, this kingdom that is Jesus's. It functioning and embracing smallness. Everybody say smallness. I know that's a word because I typed it on my computer and there wasn't a little red squiggly underneath it. Yeah. So you're like, smallness isn't. Yes, it is. It is two word. Smallness. It's how the kingdom of God embraces smallness. Now, 
Jesus has been teaching me, trying to teach me this for a long time. And I say try not because his part hasn't been upheld. It's my part that hasn't been. But he's been trying to teach me this for a long time. And I want to start with a story today. Now, I'm not a professional, like, super, um, just... I have trouble with words and I tell stories that are sometimes messy. So here we go. We're telling a messy story. So everybody just look to your neighbor and say it's going to be all right. (laughs) So there's this thing that happened. I, I, uh, I went to school and I got a master's of divinity. And it's funny because how do you how do you master God? Like, why do they call it that? I don't know. But it's, it's really silly. They, I need to be able to call it something else. But that is what it is. They gave me this form that said, oh, you have now mastered divinity. I'm like, no, I haven't. But how, God needs to master me. I don't master him. Right. But but anyway, so I spent seven years like one class at a time digging in, like sacrificing, doing this thing. And so it came to the end and I graduated and I felt really good about myself. Has anybody graduated in here from something before? Some of you have, right? Um, I, I graduated and I felt really, you feel really good. Like, I feel like I've accomplished something. Yeah. Like, I'm, this is all, like, Jesus, you got something here you can use. <laughs> right? You feel like somehow you're ready. Somehow you have arrived. Somehow you're just, and so I'm sitting and, and everybody's walking and I'm sitting in this great ceremony and I have friends and family there and my lovely wife threw a party after and invited all my friends and everybody was like, great job, Brian. And I was like, that's right. Great job, Brian. And I was talking to myself and I was just feeling really good about, you know, God, you know, this is, I'm ready to be a senior pastor. Jesus, of a, and by the way, this is a lot of years ago, and I'm still not, and that's God's design. And it is, and I, and I am totally submitted to that, but anyways, we'll get to that. But I'm, 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 I'm there, and I'm laying my head down on my pillow that night, on a Saturday night. I'm just like, it's going to be a great church, you know, I'm, I'm going to be the best pastor since sliced bread, and yeah, God, this is some good here that you can use and you welcome God. And, you know, you know how the things that you say, you know, the things that you say when you're when it's just in your head. But if you were to say them out loud, they sound nuts. Right. We say those things to ourselves, don't we? We, we kind of like, yeah, yeah. And, and I was doing that. And I woke up the next day and I went to church and and, it, and I was in an in, I was serving in an inner city church. And we had a discipleship program that, that we were doing before service. And I was in charge of it. And I was like, yeah, God, I got something to say today. You can use me today. They're glad that they got me today. Jesus It's totally ridiculous. But that's what I was thinking. And I show up and I get in and I open the door to get into the room. And it was like a wall. Have you ever had a smell push you physically backwards? That's like a thing, right? That happens. So I open the door and. Is any. And, you know, you know, the, the really good church folk, you know, they're showing up early. So some of our church folk are showing up early. That doesn't mean they're really good church folk, but they're showing up early and they're there and they're like, whoa, what did you do, Brian? And I'm like, I didn't do anything. I just opened the door. We'll close it. Well, I got to figure out what's going on. So I go inside and I close the door behind me and I'm thinking there's a dead rat in here. There must be a dead rat somewhere in the ceiling. There's some, something it's it is funky. It is like breathe through your mouth. You can still taste it funky. See, I told you it was going to be messy. So turn to your neighbor. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right because you weren't there. It wasn't all right for me. 
But I'm there and I'm like, I got to figure this out. Where are we going to meet? And people are like, I'm not meeting in there. We need to find somewhere else to meet. And I'm trying to figure this out. And as I'm trying it, I'm looking in like the air conditioning ducts and I'm just trying to figure this out. And I look over, I'm on a ladder looking in an air conditioning duct and I look over and on the side of the corner, this isn't you guys, this is just in my mind, okay? It's not you, it's me. I look over and there's a pile of something with some paper towels laid over it. Now, what you don't know about our, our church is that, you know, we did, we, there was a lot of homeless ministry and it was amazing and it was in Phoenix and it's really hot in the summers and this was in the summer. And, and, and people would, people trying to find a cool place to stay would sneak in into our rooms in our church. And I would do that if I were them. So there's no judgment. I would, would you not? I would. So there's no judgment here. But somehow during the week, somebody had snuck in and because they didn't want to get removed from the room, they had used the restroom in that corner and laid some paper towels over it. And that was the spell. So I look over and I'm like, Jesus, there's a turd over there, isn't there? <laughs> there, there is. I know what that is. No, there isn't. No, there isn't. Yes, the, yes, it is. No, yeah. And so I, you know how you kind of sneak up on things that you don't want to find? Even though it's not going to be surprised by me. It's not alive, right? I'm sneaking up. I'm like, oh, are you kidding me this morning? Oh, yes, that's what it is. That's what it is. And I start looking around. Who is going to clean this? Who's going to clean this? And I'm looking for who's going to clean this. And I'm like, all right, who's it going to be? Because it's not going to be me. Because I'm here to bring the word. Right? I got my pulpit. I got my stage. I got, no, I'm here to bring, I'm not here to clean. And I, <laughs> Jesus, I love Jesus. As I'm looking around for who, in my mind, I hear, no, it's you. It's you, Brian. It's you. You're the one I brought here to clean this. And Jesus was teaching me. And as I cleaned it through dry heaving and my friends laughing in the hallway. As I got through that, I realized that Jesus was teaching me something about his kingdom. Something that you and I forget. Something that our culture forgets. Something that our culture does not understand. He was teaching me. That the kingdom is about the little things. The kingdom is about little things like cleaning rooms. The kingdom is about little small things. We want to make it about bright, shiny, look at our big buildings, look at our... And the kingdom is about smallness. Just, just little things. See, I had thought... It was about, look what I can teach, look what I can do. And God's ever-present reminder was, don't forget, it's about this stuff. It's about a paper towel. It's about some cleaning solution. It's about the things that nobody sees or nobody hears. It's about the small stuff. See, in our culture, we want bigger, better, faster, stronger. And we write songs about that. We want to be seen. And Henry Nowen, which is a writer that I quote a lot, um, 
He says this, and part of the quote is going to be up on the screen, but I'm going to, there's going to be a part that's not to start with. So I'm going to read this to you. We have come to believe that a service is valuable when many attend. A protest or demonstration is worthwhile when, the te- when television cameras are present. A study group is worth having when many want to be a part of it. And a church is successful when many desire to become members. Truth in our culture has become so largely determined by statistics that it is easy for us to truly believe that the number of people who listen, watch, or attend is a measure of the quality of that which is presented. And then this is what's going to be on the screen. It is difficult for us to believe that salvation came from the remnant of Israel. It is difficult for us to believe that something very good came from an unknown place. It is difficult for us to believe that our God is a God who came in the unspectacular form of a servant who entered Jerusalem on a donkey and who was killed as a common criminal. And it is even more difficult to believe that a few unsophisticated fishermen brought good news to the world. So you and I want the sensational. How do I know that? Because when I wash dishes at my house and my, my wife doesn't notice and say thank you, I think, why did I wash the dishes? Why did I wash the dishes? Because I want to be seen. See, it's not enough to do something good. See, somehow I've learned from my culture that something good in and of itself isn't enough. I must be seen doing it. I must be patted on the back. I must get the spotlight on my face. I must be the one being watched and beheld. Have you noticed that in you? Somehow our culture is spilled over into me, into us, maybe. To, to where to do something that nobody sees or nobody knows about doesn't feel right, does it? See, Jesus was tempted to the sensational just like we were. In Matthew chapter 4, it's not going to be on the screen, but stay with me. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 5, it says this. Then the devil, the enemy of God, took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said... Throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Basically meaning the enemy took him to the highest point of the highest building in the city where everybody was hanging out, where everybody did business, where everybody got their groceries for the day, where everybody worshipped God for the day. Took him to the highest point and said, throw yourself down, and then God will save you. Proving that you are God's son to everybody, the sensational will happen and everyone will christen you as the son of God. And Jesus' response to that is not, sounds good, brother, let's get sensational. Instead, it's this. No, i got to find it. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to this test. This is Jesus unequivocally saying, I'm not going to show up. So that for, 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 for millions of applause, that's not why I'm here. I'm not here to get the spotlight, to be on the stage, to run the, run the campaigns and to, I'm here to show you real life. I'm here for love. I'm not here so that you can bow to me. I'm here to show you what real love looks like. He was tempted to it just like we are tempted to make this whole thing about Who's looking at me and who's seeing what I'm doing and who and it has to be sensational. It has to be when I got to use my talents and it's got to be better than others. And 
And I'm not going to do that over there because that's that's below me. I'm not going to clean up the feces in the corner because, you know, I'm, I'm moved beyond that now. That is an expression of a culture that is not Jesus's. And that's in me. And Jesus is working it out. So I'm tempted just like you. And Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter 13. So finally, we have come to our text for this morning. Can I get an amen? We made it. Matthew chapter 13. Yes, it's going to be on the screen. Awesome. Matthew chapter 13 says this. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds So that the birds come and perch in its branches. A mustard seed. In Jesus' day, this is the smallest gardening seed. Now, if you are a gardener, God bless you. You know more about this than I do. My wife and I, well, she and the kids (laughs) planted a garden in our backyard for the first time. It's awesome. It's overgrown. It's great. But I, if you don't know what a mustard seed looks like, I could be holding it in my fingers right now and you would never be able to see it. I'd be in my fingers and you wouldn't be able to tell because the mustard seed is that small. So I took a picture of my hand last night and it should show up on the screen. Maybe. All right. So there's my hand. Isn't it beautiful? There's my hand. That little mole is not a beauty mark. That little mole in the middle of my hand is a mustard seed. That's a mustard seed. It's tiny. If you it takes 750 mustard seeds to equal one gram of weight. I mean, these things are absolutely tiny. I put a pile of mustard seed in my hand and I tipped it over and then I turned my hand back over and they were mustard seeds stuck in the creases of my hand. They're absolutely minuscule. Now, if, if you didn't know anything about gardening, which I don't, and somebody said, oh, man, I got this great plant for you. It's going to be great. You don't know anything about gardening. This is what I want you to plant. I want you to plant a mustard tree. That's what I want you to plant because it's going to shade and it's going to be beautiful and it's going to be the biggest, most amazing plant in your garden. It's going to be great. And I'm okay, awesome, sweet, thank you. And then he's like, and here it is. Ah, Dropped it. Oh, you got it. I dropped it. This is this can't be this can't be a good plant for your garden. Where's the where's the shinier, bigger seeds? Because if you're going to make something big, you need a big seed, right? I mean, that just makes sense. Nobody's with me. Everybody knows more about gardening than I do. It just makes sense. Yeah, that would make sense to me. But Jesus is saying it doesn't make sense. My kingdom is upside down. Jesus is teaching something to us about. The sensationalism that we have grown up in. See, we can so easily, I can so easily be offended at smallness. Can you? I'm so easily offended at smallness. I'm so easily offended at, I can't believe that my boss is asking me to do this. Should have asked that other person to do. I'm so easily, I can't believe I have to do the wash the dishes again. I'm so easily offended at smallness. Are you? See, it shows up in different things. It shows up in stuff like this. And here's here's why I'm offended. Let me start there. Here's why I'm offended. It's smallness, typically, because it doesn't seem to be initially effective. 
Have you ever leaned into something that Jesus asked you to do, to do and it didn't fix everything right away? Is that, is that ever, if you follow Jesus at all, you say, everybody say yes. <laughs> okay, sweet. If you haven't followed Jesus yet, that's what happens. You start following Jesus and it's not everything's perfect now from here on out. Every circumstance is perfection. Every relationship is perfection. Every, that's not what happens. You start leaning in Jesus. Let's just, let's just start talking about prayer. You start really digging in to pray. And what happens? Everything's different. Not always. And then we get offended. And I get offended. Like, God, I'm praying. I'm doing. Like, what's the deal? Where's the, where's the sensational? Where's all the big response? Where's, where's all the, I've been praying for this service for a long time. Where's all the people, God? Why am I even doing this in the first place? Because there's not enough people. It's a waste of my time. It's the sensational in me. Here's another reason why I I quickly get offended with smallness. It doesn't appear as attractive as other ways of life. Have you noticed that too? Have you noticed that leaning into purity doesn't seem as attractive as not? Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that, 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 that finding... And gratifying our, our just desires for sex in ways that Jesus didn't intend for us to do just seems like and feels like a better mode of operating than others? Is this somehow like the stuff that I look at when I'm by myself, the, somehow that, 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 that makes more sense, right? That, I mean, pushing boundaries with other people, I just, it just makes more sense. But, but what we don't see. What we don't see is Jesus planting tiny little seeds of purity within us. Little seeds that seem harder. Why? Because we want to be fixed immediately. Because we want the sensational. Because we want the feeling. Because we want, we want it now. That's our culture talking. But Jesus is like, no, I'm going to plant this little seed. This little seed of purity in you. And I want you to water it. And I want you to watch it. Grow little things like, oh, don't watch that movie. Little things like, like, oh, don't get online that late at night. Little things like, oh, you don't need to push boundaries with that boyfriend or girlfriend. Little things like, hey, you don't need to flirt with that coworker. I know you're lonely. But move away from that conversation. It's okay. I love you. Little, little seeds. Little seeds. Little seeds that at the end of the day grow. You, you, you become... You know what's great about the little mustard seed of purity? You become, over time, the plant of the garden that other people's birds, other people's lives come to take safety in, come to take shade in. Your life, it becomes structured in such a way that you're not objectifying anybody else because that's what lust does. You're not using other people like tools or objects for your own desire. You are now a place, a safe place for other people's lives to come and to find safety in. That is what you become over time. But it's not immediate. In the seed of purity, it first looks like, what? This is dumb. Why would I do that? But it's so beautiful. It's the beauty of the kingdom. You know, you know another example of this? And, and this is for everybody in here. And I'm trying to speak to everybody. We've got tons of age groups in here. It's, it's honesty. You know what most of the time we think a lie is? And this is what I thought when I was in school. A lie is an ever-present help in danger. Yeah, that's what a lie is, right? That's what a lie does. 
A lie, man. That's what I go to when I'm about to get in trouble. <laughs> that's it's, it's an ever present help. That is what another way of doing life that seems better because we get out of trouble in the short term. But in the long term, we come people who are so disingenuous that we don't even know who we are anymore. How do I know? Because that's what happened to me. We're like, God, I can't find your love. I don't know who I am. I don't know what I'm about. Because you planted this seed of dishonesty in your life and you've watered it and it's grown. And it's brought destruction to you. But, but God wants to plant this little seed of honesty, this little seemingly insignificant seed. And you know how it starts showing up, these little insignificant seeds of honesty? It shows up when somebody asks you, hey, do you know that band? If you don't know it, you say, no, I don't. Just little instant. Nobody sees. Nobody knows. Nobody knows I'm being honest about that band that I really want to know because this person's really cool. When I'm honestly saying, ah, no, man, I I've never heard of that band. And then you get made fun of and there you're like, why didn't I use my ever present help in times of danger? <laughs> because you're leaning into something different. Yeah, you're leaning in to this little mustard seed of truth and honesty that. That will grow into a tree that brings safety to others and to yourself. That's what you're doing. How else does it show up? Why were you late for work tonight? Knowing that you told your spouse that you would stop working so much. And so you have to come up with some other way because you're not living up to your own word. But nobody else knows. Nobody in this church would know that that's going on in you. But God knows and God says, let me plant that little mustard seed of truth in you. Get yourself in trouble. That's what confession is. It's getting yourself in trouble first before somebody else catches you. And it's beautiful because you know what God does with a tiny little, little seed of confession? A tiny little seed of, yeah, you're right. I'm not living to how I said I wanted to live. Yeah, babe. I'm, I told you I would. I told you, babe, that I, I told you that I would be with the kids more. And I, and I knew that when I when I accepted that meeting request again, and I'm not living up to what I said, and I'm sorry. Will you help me? That little seed begins to be watered and grow, and over time you become a person of integrity, a person who actually is the same up on stage as you are at home. The same person is when you're by yourself as when you're with a lot of people. You don't have to fear what are people going to think about me because you're the same everywhere. You don't have to keep lies going. Because you know what happens when we plant other kinds of seeds that aren't the kingdom? Oh, yeah, they grow faster. Oh, yeah, they look really great at first. But you know what happens? They die. They die. Over time, this plant that you thought was going to give you all of this fruit and all of this life only withers. But these, it's these tiny little mustard seeds. Tiny little ones. That grow slowly and surely. Stuff that nobody sees. Nobody knows that I'm confessing to my wife. Nobody knows. Nobody knows that I'm telling the truth about a band. Nobody knows that I'm not looking at that movie this weekend. Nobody knows but God. And God sees and there is change and growth happening in me and in you. It's the little things that mean a lot, church. It's the little things that mean a lot. It's the little things. And so we keep reading. What time is it? Okay. We keep reading. Verse 33. 
He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. 60 pounds of flour. That is a lot of flour. I've never seen that much flour in real life. It's a lot of flour, especially in Jesus's day. I mean, are you kidding me? I don't have like semi trucks carting this around, right? I mean, 60 pounds of flour. And he's saying a handful, just a handful of yeast into 60 pounds of flour will create one We'll create bread that will sustain life for 100 people at a party. 100 people will get fed good bread at a party from this, from just the little handful of yeast. Just this smallness. And you know what I love about this picture? This picture is describing me and you. It's me and you. See, Jesus is saying, I know yeast seems so small. I know it seems like not a big deal. I know it seems weird, but just put it into the dough. And the dough is the world. See, you and I are yeast for the world in this text. You and I are worked into the world. You and I are not called to leave jobs that are hard, leave jobs where there's no Christians, leave jobs. And if you have all Christians at your place, that's awesome. Blessings to you. But we are called to be light in a broken world. We are called. So you don't remove yourself from difficult people. You place yourself around difficult people. (laughs) Right? It's like, no, we don't. If we know the kingdom, we do. We find, we're scanning, we meet a whole group of people, we're scanning the person that is the least likely for us to talk to, and we're going and we're, we're, we're talking on purpose to that person and loving on that person on purpose. That we're, and, and as we do that, as we do that in dark and broken spaces, at work, at home, with family, all that kind of stuff, as we do that, even with each other here, Because there's still brokenness here. Can we just be honest? As we do that here, out there, as we do that, something beautiful is formed. Jesus uses that to form a bread that sustains life. Man, I want to sustain life. Do you? Man, I'm tired of sustaining death. I am tired of being so sensational that I, I... just dismiss the little things that Jesus is inviting me to as if they're not going to matter or not help as if they're not going to help my, my, uh, my, my marriage as if they're not going to help my relationship with my children as if they're not going to help my, my pastoring as if it's somehow all about what happens up here. And it is so little about what happens up here. And it is so much about what happens here. I'm broken because I want you to get this. We give honor and glory, even in church culture, to people who can write books and people who can speak in our fancy and people who can sing the way we, we want people to sing. And there are people living out the kingdom in more profound ways than we could ever imagine. And we miss them. And we miss our opportunity to join them. See, having a platform to speak like this, having a platform of authority at work, having authority as a boss is not an evil thing. 
It's a beautiful thing. But do you know what we do when we have refused leading up to that platform? Refuse the little mustard seeds of the kingdom. Do you know what we do with our platform? We destroy it. We destroy it. Because all along, and we can blame it on people sinning against us, and we can blame it on all these other things, but I want to suggest to you this morning, we destroy it because all along, we've been ignoring and offended at the little mustard seeds leading up to that platform. We've been refusing to serve when nobody sees. We've been refusing to speak good about somebody when they'll never hear that we spoke bad. We've been refusing to push the computer away. We've been refusing. See, I want to invite you this morning to a journey, to a blessed journey, to a wonderful God, to a wonderful way of life where every little thing matters. We're saying hi to somebody can be a beautiful kingdom event. <laughs> it can be the glory of God showing up. Where offering lunch to a coworker that you despise can be the very presence of Jesus. Little things that nobody knows here at church that nobody's going to write in a paper about. That never makes press clippings. But it's just like Jesus. Do you know why I know it's just like Jesus? Because of stuff like Christmas. You know, we sing songs and we sing all that stuff. But did you know, like, Jesus, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords came to a poor family. Not to the richest of all riches. To the small, to the quiet. And then he was born in a manger, not in a palace. Small, quiet. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And then as a child, yeah, he was a refugee. We gave backpacks to refugees. Jesus... That's who he was. He was a refugee. He's quiet. Secret. A foreigner in a foreign land. He's just quiet. And then when he did go back home, do you know where we were he went? He went to Nazareth. Nazareth is like living in Yuma. (laughs) Right? It's like Yuma. You just drive through. You don't want to stay. People said, how could anything good come from Nazareth? That's what people said. It's a knock to Jesus Do you know why that was on purpose? Because God was saying, even with his actions, even with his very life, that I've been the small stuff, baby. I'm in the small stuff. Stop looking for the sensational and to be seen and to be awarded and to be gifted and to be handed trophies. Find me in the small stuff. I'm right there. I'm with you. And then he capped it all off with a death on a cross. One who should have come with military might and ended all of us. Came and died a criminal's death on a cross. The king of kings bloodied on a tree. So small, seemingly so insignificant. And yet changed everything. As the worship team comes forward, do you want to start? Some of you have started this journey and you know it better than I do. And I need your help to remind me of it. Because just like everybody else, I grew up in this culture 
And I am so used to being a spectator and honoring those who are in the limelight, in sports, in music, in even in church. I'm so used to being a spectator that when it comes to me following Jesus, I find myself spectating again. Have you noticed that? We find ourselves spectating again when all along and we, and we get offended by the small stuff. Man, I don't want to wash the dishes again. It's her turn or it's his turn or I don't want to. No, nah, I don't want to. I don't want to confess. I don't want to. Man, I don't know. It's going to be hard if I'm honest about that. I don't know what they're going to think of me. I don't, it's all this little stuff. It's time. It's time to lean in to the mustard seeds. If only we had some big program here at the church, then I can invite my friend. My friend, live out your little mustard seeds and they're going to want to come. Because they're going to go, what's with you? Why are you not angry? What is with you? Why are you not bad-mouthing that boss? What is with you? What? What? Oh, God, help me. Oh, God, help me to not find my worth in this. Oh, God, help me to not forget what even got me here. And oh, God, help us. Jesus, as we respond to your word, as I respond, we're going to sing a little bit. And we're going to respond quietly. Nobody will know. Nobody will know the conversations that we have with you. And I think that that is right and good today. So, Jesus, if you're calling us, if you're if you're encouraging us, if you're inviting us, Lord, I pray that we would hear you and that you would give us feet that are ready and willing and quickly respond to your leading in the small stuff, in the quiet stuff that at the end of our lives will build a life that others can find safety in. We'll build a life that offers bread and life to others. God, I'm tired of destroying life. Help me participate in your kingdom that brings life and doesn't destroy it. In Jesus' name, amen.